0: To the, depths of the, sea.
1: the fact that she was thrust out during the day, do you understand if, if, she, if he would have just kept her in the house, nobody probably would have seen this, but do you understand the great disservice that Amnon did to Tamar? By throwing her out in broad daylight, it exposed her to everyone on the street. And not only did it do that, but it insinuated that she was the problem, that maybe Amnon thrust her out because maybe she was trying to play the harlot upon Him.
0: Inescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky. Welcome everyone, you're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Amnon had no real love for Tamar, only lust, and so he immediately felt guilty over his sin. Tamar was simply a reminder of his foolish sin. He wanted every reminder of his sin to be put far away. What Amnon did to Tamar was wrong. And even more, Amnon threw her out in the street during the day to expose her to others. There were other ways Amnon could have assisted Tamar in concealing the shame that she felt. This event will cause bad consequences in the future within David's family. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes this portion of chapter 13.
1: Do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. And where could I take my shame? As as you know, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. <laughs> now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you from me. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than he than she, he forced her and lay with her. And it's not just men with women. You remember in... Genesis chapter 39 with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It was actually, the roles were reversed then. It wasn't the man going after the woman, it was the woman going after young, swift, smart, good-looking Joseph. And Joseph was very smart. Probably could have been a little smarter, not even be in the same building with her because she hatched a plan and left the You know, the garment ended ended him up in jail for some time. But we see that happening. And adultery is something, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 5.27, You've heard that it's been said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery. And it's the slippery slope, again, of sin. It's a slippery slope. Verse 12, But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. We see another thing in Genesis 34. It's another rape. And again, a a topic that's not exciting to talk about. Of Jacob's daughter, Dinah, being raped by a young man whose name was Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite. And you remember that whole situation. And then in order to get back at the man, a couple of her brothers end up killing a whole village of people, including the man who had raped her, and the man, to his credit, he was willing to pay the the thirty shekels of silver and take her as unto his wife. but that wasn't enough for these men because they were angry, you know you know and understandably so. And Tamar, as far as we know, was not betrothed at the time. She was still a virgin. And the law goes a step further concerning those who are even related to each other. What does it tell us in Leviticus? And again, these are are really hard things to say, but it's worth noting because that's kind of like front and center for us tonight. Leviticus 18, verse 9 says, "...the nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness shall you not uncover." And the nakedness of your father's uh, wife's daughter, begotten by your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. In Le- Leviticus twenty, if a man's verse seventeen, if a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. Literally, be killed, capital punishment. Cursed is the man, Deuteronomy says to us, who lies with his sister. All things can be forgiven. And there are probably even people in this room or even online who have had encounters with siblings in your past. And it's a horrible stain on your heart. But know this, that God can forgive. And you can forgive that person if they if they did something to you. Or hopefully, um, you know, they can... Um, Ask for your forgiveness. Hopefully, there can be restoration and healing. That's possible in the Lord, right? But according to the law, Amnon deserved, deserved death, and because he saw his father do a similar thing, and from his perspective, from his perspective, David got away with it. Although he really didn't get away with it, there was a death as a result of that union. Perhaps Amnon felt that he wouldn't suffer the consequence, number one, because he was David's firstborn. David would probably do anything to keep him from being put to death. And because of his father's own guilt, he wouldn't exact punishment probably upon him. He would seek to make restitution, do something but keep his son alive. And notice verse 13 back in our text, what she says. She says, And I, where, where could I take my shame? And as far as you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you, hold me, excuse me from you. And think about this. Tamar thought that according to the law, that Amnon, because she wasn't betrothed, that Amnon could just make her his wife. Even though this thing had occurred, just do the right thing and, and take her as your wife. But that's not what he did. And that's why she said later that sending her away was worse than the rape itself. And as the heir apparent to the throne at this time, this would also be her salvation in a sense. Because she'd been humbled, having Amnon as her husband would certainly secure her financially and be provided for. I'm Certainly she could fall in love with the man perhaps later on after she forgave him. However, verse 14, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, she, he forced her and lay with her. And then Ammon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred in which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And he said to her, Arise and be gone. Love is a funny thing, and I've I've heard it said that love and hate are kind of like the opposite of the sides of the coin. But I think real love, I think real love, real agape love is not That's not the case. Because when we think of instances where somebody says they love somebody and then they get hurt, and and naturally it hurts to get hurt, especially it's, it's the one emotion that when you bring somebody into your heart and they break your heart, the emotion of anger can be so great. It's true. But for someone to really love that person, even if you're the one who's getting spurned, if you really love them, you're not going to seek to hurt them. And that's a tall order. But I, And I think it's very rare for someone to do that. So she said to him, No, indeed, this is evil. Sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. And so... He called a servant who attended him and, put, and said, Here, put this woman out for me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. And then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went out crying bitterly. The fact that she was thrust out during the day, do you understand if, if, she, if he would have just kept her in the house? Nobody probably would have seen this, but do you understand the great disservice that Amnon did to Tamar? By throwing her out in broad daylight, it exposed her to everyone on the street. And not only did it do that, but it insinuated that she was the problem. That maybe Amnon thrust her out because maybe she was trying to play the harlot upon him. And then he is like, No way. (laughs) You're my sister. Out you go. And so it puts the blame on her. Does that sound familiar? The woman always getting the blame placed upon her for something that the man has done. Things haven't really changed have they? Have they? Because the human heart has not changed. And they'll look at the woman, Tamar, and the the horrible shame that she went through. Even leaving her veil behind is even a worse thing because now she's got to cover her head and everyone can see her. She's torn her robe. It looks like something has happened. Something obviously very wicked has happened and she's running. And all the servants, all they know is that she got kicked out. They don't even know the real truth. Making her look to be the harlot. Putting the blame on her when the blame was solely on him. And where did he learn that from? David he learned that from his father, like father, like son. Dads, I want to encourage you to be the best example to your sons. Ladies, be the best example to your, to your daughters. Husbands and wives, be the best example for your kids. And even if you mess up, even if they mess up and they do the same sin that, you've, that you have done, And everybody knows that you still have to call it what it is, and you still have to work with them through it, even though it's really hard because you feel like a hypocrite. Can you imagine David now? And and, and In fact, David doesn't do anything about this. He totally fails as a dad here. He should have approached Amnon and dealt with this issue, but he didn't do anything. The Scripture says he was angry. Well, so what? (laughs) So what? He got angry, but he did nothing. And why didn't he do anything? Because he's still sore from his own sin. His own moral failure says, I can't even talk to my son. I'm in such a mess myself, and I'm still smarting from it. How can I tell my son that what he did was wrong? But he should have done it anyway. He should have done the right thing regardless. And I would encourage you to do the same. It's so easy when we fall into something, and then we have to tell somebody, maybe a uh, a young person in our life, when we got caught and busted doing the same thing, it's hard, isn't it, to go to them and say, you know what, you, you really need to turn away from this. Well, what about you? You know, you got caught in the same thing. Hey, listen, this has nothing to do with me. The Bible says this, and I'm dealing with my consequences, but I'm telling you, I'm warning you to not do this. Don't ever let your emotions extort your feelings. <laughs> Don't ever let your own experience keep you from saying and doing the right thing. Do the right thing, even if the devil, he's going to condemn you. Oh, you're going to tell him not to do it, and you did it yourself. Oh, David. Have you, have you, have you experienced that before? You, you, you're like, you've done something. You tell somebody else not to do it, and they throw it in your face. You better be prepared and say, you know what? I've, and deal with that issue before that happens. And say, you know what? I have turned from that. I have repented of that. I've never done it again. But I'm warning you, and I'm telling you, that what I'm telling you, what i am experienced, what I've experienced in my life, what God's word has said is true, and you're seeing it in my life. Yes, I messed up, but I'm warning you not to mess up this way because the consequences are grave. It hurts. It hurts. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? And I, I think about this, and has Amnon, your brother, been with you? It's very obvious. But now I'll hold your peace, my sister. Are you kidding me? Hold your peace. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. Okay, Absalom, no problem. I'll just, nothing really happened anyway. I mean, it was just, you know, I'll just forget about it. (laughs) Don't take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But King David heard all these things, but notice he was very angry. But he did nothing. He did nothing. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And he did nothing. Absalom waited. The very next, we're not going to go there tonight, but you notice in the very next section of this, it says, and it came to pass after two full years. So two years goes by, nothing has happened. David's done nothing. Absalom has done nothing. This whole thing is just kind of... Skirted under the rug and everyone just kind of going on life normal, you know. And Absalom, a very cunning man, a very smart man, he's going to seek to use this to his advantage. He's going to wait for the right time. He's going to wait for the right time before he springs the latch on the snare. The snare, that little stick that goes up. And there's a box that rests against it. And that snare comes down and the animal is trapped. That's what Absalom's going to wait. He's going to wait for the right moment to pull the snare. And he's going to do it. We'll see it next week. It's a horrible thing, isn't it? I want to encourage you as we, uh, Sarah could come on up for communion. As always, we're running a little bit late because I'm... um, I just can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, let's take a moment tonight before we take communion. And because I believe this is very common, the, the, the stuff we read tonight, I'm sure, affected at least one of you here tonight, maybe even more. And certainly as this goes out over the radio or on the Internet, it's going to hit a number of people. And, you know, what, what, is, what do you do in a situation like that when something like that has been done to you? You can walk around your whole life and, and be bitter and angry and curse God, and, and why, God, did you allow that to happen to me? And you may be the one who did it to somebody else, and you feel horrible, and you'd love to meet that woman again and apologize to her and say, you know what, what I did back in high school, what I did back in college in that dorm room, in that frat party, whatever it was, I just want to tell you I am so sorry. Can you imagine how many people would be healed or shot? (laughs) he try to show up with somebody and, hey, I want to tell you I'm sorry. Well, you better back up because I'm going to, you know. (laughs) But let's forgive. Don't walk around with that unforgiveness in your heart. Take that before the Lord tonight, if that's affected you at all. Or pray for others that you know who that has affected because it's a difficult thing to go through. I know people that's happened to. And the scar is so deep. The trust has been so broken. Hearts are so harmed. And they're still walking around like the wounded. And much of it has never been forgiven. It's just under the surface. So as Sarah leads us in a song of worship... Come on up and take the bread and the cup and bring it back to your your chair and we'll take it together, okay? But just, if there if, if this makes any sense to any one of you or a couple of you, just take it before the Lord, would you please? And just ask the Lord to give you that heart of forgiveness for someone who's wronged you. And if you've wronged somebody else, if it's the Lord's will and you have it within you and can talk to that person and and ask for forgiveness. What a great thing. What a great conquering thing the gospel can do. Amen? I love that phrase in that song. I'll trade these ashes in for beauty. I believe that's for someone here tonight. To think that something so long ago, like we read in this passage, which is just the the consequence and it's going to be it's going to get worse unfortunately but what the enemy meant for bad the lord can turn around and use for good in your life regardless of those ashes let him take those ashes and turn them into beauty In Christ only this is possible. I want to encourage you to be forgiving and to forgive. Because after all, that's what this, in addition to communing with the Lord, when we think about what he has done for us, he has forgiven us a great price. He has taken upon himself the great price that I deserve, that you deserve and the forgiveness that he forgave, and the amount that he forgave. It, it, not only was, did he forgive it, but do you understand that he, he gave us something that we could never earn or deserve? He forgave us, but then gave us heaven. He gave us himself. And do you know that you'll never see hell? Do you know that you'll never? The worst that's going to be on this planet is the only difficulty you're going to experience in your whole life. Only what happens here on this earth will be the worst for you and me. But he's forgiven us much. And for those who forgive much, love much. And so let's take this bread and this cup. We know that the bread, Jesus says, take this in remembrance of me, for my body was broken for you. As he endured the the lashes of the Of the cat of nine tails, as he suffered the the thorns, the crown of thorns on his body as he experienced the piercings in his hands and his feet and the spear in his side and the punching that he endured, the spitting that he had. He says, this is my body broken for you. Let's partake. And that same night before he Went to the cross. He passed around a chalice, a single cup. Yes, a single cup. <laughs> With wine in it. And he passed it around. And they each took a sip and he passed it around. He said, This is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. And it hadn't even happened yet. Jesus knew hours from then. It would be done. He was in complete control, and He did this for us. And so, if He has forgiven us so great as He has, let us be about forgiving and seeking forgiveness for the things that we've done. We take it in remembrance of Him until we celebrate His death until He comes. Let's partake. I love the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, don't you? And I pray that as time goes on, it becomes more of a reality to me, because I know in my head and I know in my heart some, but there's still so much more, and I think you can understand with me, there's so much, there's layers to this that I have yet to uncover. Layers of forgiveness, layers of being forgiven. It takes time. And like you, I, I long for that. Blessed are those who hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Right? And blessed are those who forgive and are forgiven. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, even though it's a difficult one. Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, you would just continue to encourage us. Lord, uh, we know that there are consequences for sin. And Lord David is certainly... Showing us these things, and Lord, and many of us today, tonight, are are going through still consequences from issues in our life. And Lord, we ask that Lord, you wouldn't allow our faith to be to be discouraged while we still go through these things. Lord, help us to be like David, to to know that we've been forgiven, and to continue moving forward and and continuing to trust in you, Lord, regardless of the of those things. And so, Lord. Take us by the hand through this process and bring healing where healing is needed and bring forgiveness where forgiveness is needed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all.
0: I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel.